So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another episode of So Rare in the States Baseball. My name is Chris, the MLS card guy. I am joined by my co-host as always. This is Daniel Trippin' B. How are you today? I'm great, Chris. I'm uh, loving life and been just diving into baseball the last, last few days. It's crazy. I'm loving everything. I'm sort of reacquainting myself with baseball. I've got my watch list going. I've identified a bunch of undervalued guys and been really uh, getting back in there after, after like we talked about in early episodes, uh, I had kind of shifted my focus to, to, you know, the pitch and soccer and whatnot. So now I'm just worried that I might be losing some of my, my soccer uh, edge, uh, sharpness. So we'll see. So got to multitask and figure out a way to, to try to do both at the same time. I was going to ask you, have you bought a soccer player in the last week since BFL started? No, I made a few trades uh, mm. and I've posted some guys for sale to try to get more ETH to buy uh, more baseball cards. So who knows? Hopefully I'm not the only one doing that. that that's I haven't even gotten that far yet. It's been all baseball for me. I've just been I did, completely zoned out. I did flip one baseball card, though. I was able to sell one yeah. MLB uh, so rare card. Yeah. So uh, Logan Griffin, the uh, Mariners pitcher, one, he, I picked him up uh, for my pitching stable. And then another auction was coming down the line. It was late at night. I would not recommend doing this because this is what happens. I was like, I pay like 0.1 for him. And he, there was an auction where he was sitting at, at 0.06. And I was like, no, F that. It's too early for my guy to take this big of a dip. I'm, I'm price protecting my, my card here at, at number five of 1000. So I threw in a bid of 69 and uh which i always love to bid 069 whenever i can just a side note but um <laughs> and it uh as a result i then became the owner of of a, a second logan griffin card so uh, uh that that's a little word of warning don't get out there price protecting too bad unless you are fine with winning the card the good news is that uh, it was a really low price and griffin probably is worth about 0.1 right now in this market and uh he had a great great start yesterday saturday and even though the game's not running, someone must have noticed that because uh, I flipped it really quick for a decent little profit. You know, no biggie, but the market is alive. Yeah, there has been a couple of good flips. Our, our guest last week, Alec, has been flipping like crazy. And he told me he wasn't going to be a trader. And he's out here. He's already flipped four cards. So I, I love that he's getting into it. Um, we do have a guest on this week. As, as we mentioned last week, that was part one of our So Rare Baseball for Dummies. That was for So Rare Dummies. This will be for baseball dummy, and our resident baseball dummy is none other than David, who, aka Sora Monkey. How are you today, David? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me on. I love the introduction, but uh, it, unfortunately, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all got to start somewhere. We all got to start somewhere. So we appreciate Actually, you coming I listened, on. I listened to the pod from last week, the first part of Baseball for Dummies, uh, literally where I was going out for a walk earlier. Uh, really good show. Uh, great if, like, for people that are coming in from you know, a major league background and understand baseball, but don't understand so rare. I think you really sort of ticked off every box. Perfect. Well, that's what we'd like to hear. Hopefully we'll be doing the same thing today for all of our so rare uh, soccer guys that are going to try to make the jump or at least see if they can make the jump over to baseball. So I guess we'll kind of start here and just go through what is baseball, right? We're going to assume that no one has, has ever seen a baseball game before, don't know any positions, don't know any rules. So let's just start with a very basic here. Um, and, and Daniel, just kind of explain to us what is baseball? What is the basic 
you know, structure of the game, I guess. It's, it's all about the number three, baby, and multiples of it. You know, you get three strikes, three outs, uh, this, that, and the other, nine innings, nine players, all, all these things. So uh, if you're maybe, let's say if you're familiar with cricket, you're, you know what an innings is, but innings is a little different here if you're coming to baseball. Uh, the way it works is there's nine innings in a game, and then they play extra innings if the score is tied at the end of nine. An inning is simply three outs, three outs made. Basically, each team will have their 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 nine player lineup that they'll put out in the field to play defense, and then those guys, those same nine players, will all, will all hit in the what's called the batting order or the lineup on the offensive side. So uh, there is a designated hitter who doesn't play out in the field, but for everybody who is out in the field, will hit, and then the designated hitter will fill in for the pitcher spot. The pitcher spot usually doesn't hit because they focus on pitching, although sometimes they hit. Sure. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so you've got nine innings, you've got nine players, and then each player is going to have their spot in the lineup and come up one after the other, you know, based on what they do. And if they get on base, they safe on base and, and they stay out there and, and another a teammate has a chance to sort of get another hit and bring them around the bases. There's four bases. And then they come around to the fourth base, which is called home plate, which is also where they're hitting from. And they score a run. So that's how you get points run. They're called runs. Uh, I'm getting really granular and basic here now, but so you're trying to score runs by getting hits in succession in your lineup off of the pitcher in offense and whatnot. If you make an out, let's say you hit the ball and you hit it on the ground and one of the fielders picks it up and throws it to the base before you get there, you're out. If you hit it in the air and a fielder catches it before it hits the ground, you're out. If you swing three times at a pitch and miss it, it's called a strike. If you get three strikes, you're out. I'm sure even if you don't know baseball, you've heard of three strikes, you're out. Uh, so you can get also get on base uh, without getting hit if a pitcher can't can't throw it straight, what they call the strike zone, which is sort of, you know, your, your shoulders to your knees roughly and a, sort of like a little 3D uh, cube that uh, is invisible and hangs in midair and, and is judged by someone that's called the umpire who stands, you know, at the back of the play. Umpires can all be different. They can all have their own individual quirks as far as that strike zone is how as far as they see it. But it's supposed to be sort of, you know, chest to knees and uh, over the, the 3D space of the plate. So if the pitcher can't hit that, it's called a ball. If you if they do hit that and you don't swing, it's called a strike. If they throw it anywhere and you miss it, it's called a strike. So three strikes, you're out. Four balls, you walk to first base. Am I getting, am I boring you yet? Is yeah. anyone falling asleep? I don't know. Uh, Chris, you want to jump in? Did I miss anything of these basics? David, how does that sound to you? Yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so there's a couple of other just basic things to note here. Um, so if you hit the ball, but it's outside of the lines of play, it's called a foul ball. That also counts as a strike, um, but you can't strike out on a foul ball. You can only get up to two strikes on foul balls. Um so each play is going to start with uh, the guy in the middle of the diamond called the pitcher who's going to have the ball and he's going to throw the ball towards home plate. His goal is to try to put it past the pitcher or past the hitter in the strike zone or outside the strike zone if he can get the guy to swing at it. Um, and he's trying to get multiple strikes or he's trying to get weak contact somewhere so that one of his fielders can make a play on it. For the hitter, their goal is to try to put the ball in play and, as Dan said, reach base safely. Um so there's a couple of different ways to reach base safely based on how many bases you get. So if you hit the ball and you get to the first base safely, um, then you, it's called a single or, or you'll see that abbreviated as one B uh, in a box score. Um, 
a box score is kind of like the stats that, that you have at the end of the game. It makes it nice and simple to read. Right. It's funny. Um, like every, every time we, I, every time we say something, it's like, Oh, I got to define that. I oh, got to explain that term. It's yeah. like inception. You're in a dream within a dream. Uh, <laughs> We're just going down, down, down. Yeah. Um, so if you get two bases uh, safely as a hitter, um, then that's called a double. It's abbreviated. It's two B. If you get three bases, which is pretty rare because you got to have some speed to make it to three bases before the, the fielders can get the ball back to you. Um, that's called a triple or a three B. And then if you hit the ball, generally you have to hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's called a home run, um, which you go all the way around all the bases and you score yourself uh, as well as anybody else who is on the bases in front of you. Um, that's HR or home run. Um, so we'll, we'll go through the scoring matrix in, in, a, in a little bit here, but that's basically going to be most of the, of the matrix. Um, one other um, just side note here. You can also, if you're on first base and you're able to run the second during a pitch and, and the catcher will try to you know throw it down and they'll try to tag you out. But if you're able to make it from first to second um, during a pitch where the batter's not swinging and it's either a ball or a strike, um, then that's called a stolen base. And typically, you either have to be pretty smart and get a really good jump off the pitcher, which means you leave pretty early and the pitcher just wasn't paying attention. Or you have to be really, really fast. So if you see guys racking up a lot of stolen bases or SB, um, that means that they're probably pretty fast, got a lot of speed, um, or they're pretty smart. Um, typically, you, if pitchers know that a guy is smart and they're stealing bases, they'll pay more attention to them. So you can't rack up a ton of stolen bases that way, um, but you can get some. So that's kind of the last little part of the matrix there. Yeah, you have a question? Can you steal a base at any time during the match? Obviously, while you're you know at one of the bases, but... Yeah, so there, so the umpires occasionally will call like dead ball or they'll stop the play, and that's like if the ball goes out of the, if the ball goes foul, let's say, then there's yeah, just yeah, a so dead he, ball he and goes behind. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So that, so you can't steal on that. Um, but theoretically, if the ball is in play anywhere, you can run as many bases as you can get to um, without mm-hmm. the defense paying attention. Um, it's very difficult to steal, steal a base. Yeah. From any time the pitcher gets the ball in their hand and they are in their pre-pitch preparation, you're free to steal at any point from there. You're never going to see that. They won't. Yeah. You don't. Actually, in practice, you don't actually steal until you're trying to time it of, of the pitcher's release and you're trying to get a get far enough in that you know split second of the ball traveling from pitching from the pitcher's mound to home plate. You're hoping to get far enough that when they then the catcher in the back the backstop throws it all the way down to try to then the catcher has to the the baseman has to catch it in their glove and tag you with their glove that has the ball in it to get you out. So yeah, it's so one of the more exciting plays and, and yeah. it can lead to, you can get two stolen bases on one play if, if things work out the right way. Right. You can have what's yeah. Double steal where the runner from second goes to third and the runner from first goes to second. It can also happen. Um, but yeah, so basically a lot of baseball is kind of timed to where, you know, the time that it takes for a pitcher to throw the ball to home and then the catcher to catch it and throw the ball to second and try to tag someone is about the same amount of time as it takes for someone to run from first to second. So it's like a very close bang, bang type of a thing. So if you're really fast, typically you're on the, on the good side of that. If you're a runner, um, whereas if you're a pitcher, if you're quick to home plate and you, you throw your pitch quickly, um, then a lot of times you can cut down on the base stealing that way. Um, I would say that so base stealing is basic. kind of a, a specialty skill, right? It's not yeah. something that every every hitter that's out there is not going to have base stealing in their bag necessarily. Your your best bet is to sort of check the statistical tables and like sort by who's got the most stolen bases in the league, and that'll that'll guide right. you as like which players make that a facet of their game. 
So, um, so let's run through the positions really quickly. We've alluded to a couple of them, but I know they're, some of them are self-explanatory. Some of them are kind of confusing. So we started off with the pitcher, right? He's the guy in the middle of the diamond that starts with the ball in his hand. He does the whole big windup and throws the ball to home plate. Um, typically that's all he does. He's only there to pitch. He's a very specialty type player. Um, and in so rare, we have starting pitchers and relief relief pitchers. So the starting pitchers are the ones that start the game and they're typically going to pitch the longest. And then the relief pitchers will come in and pitch probably an inning for most of them. Um, and just try to like get the ball to the next guy in, in, in the lineup. Um, two quick, so sorry, two two, quick, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Two quick questions. <clears throat> so the team is comprised of nine people plus a pitcher. No, nine, yeah. nine in total, nine in total, including the pitcher. And right. does the pitcher bat as well? No, not anymore. They used to, but they have this thing called a designated hitter now. Um, uh, so that's okay. one of the corner infield positions now as a DH designated hitter. Um, so they'll okay. bat for the pitchers now. So the pitcher, all they do is just just pitch. It, it, okay. Instead of nine players plus the pitcher, it's nine players plus the designated hitter, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so then and the, pit, the, the positions are all kind of numbered, so I'll just go through them. Um, as, as they are numbered. So the, the next one, number two, is the catcher. He's the guy who's sitting behind home plate. Typically, he's, well, he's always squatting, um, and he's trying to catch the ball, you know, trying to make, make pitches look good, make pitches look like their strikes is one of the main jobs. He's also one of the defensive kind of captains. Like, he kind of tells people where to be, and, you know, if there's a change in alignment, like if, if one guy pulls the ball a lot, he'll tell, he'll tell everybody to move this way. Um so yeah, he's he's kind of he's more like a defensive leader type of a person. Not that that really matters for Sarah, I guess. But uh, typically, not going to be a huge hitter because he's squatting all day, and that's really tough on your knees. So it's mm. it's difficult to then grab a bat and hit for a lot of power and stuff like that. Um, so that was one of the things we were worried about was was catcher going to be its own position because that mm. would really make things r- really jammed up. But since it's middle infielders. You can kind of lump them in with with the other group. If if you think paying premium on goalkeeper is painful sometimes because they're such not really super great scores, but you have to pay so much for them, it would have been brutal to have to buy yeah. have to be forced to buy a catcher on so on so, so <laughs> they, they grouped it in with other positions. It was, there it there are really only like two or three catchers that are really worth owning. I would say in this mm-hmm. game, like the, nine times out of ten, your middle infielder should be either a shortstop or a second baseman, which yes, we'll get correct. to in a, in a few seconds. Um, do you want to go through the infield here? Because I've been talking for a little yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just pick it up. We'll just keep bouncing back and forth. I'll pick it up. You know, I started this whole very thing talking about how there's nine innings in a game and to end an inning, the defense needs to get three batters out and then they then they switch. The You know, the defense goes in and the other team comes out to bat. And so you're trying to get outs. If you're the defense, you're trying to get outs. If you're the offense, you're just trying to stay alive and, and keep going and keep your lineup. They call it uh, cycling through the lineup. You go one guy, the number one hole hits, the number two hitter hits, the number three hitter hits, and you go all the way to nine, and then it goes back around to number one. So teams will stack their lineups with the the, er, the best hitters earlier in a lineup. And that's so when you're studying scouting teams, you want to know who are their first five or six hitters. You're, you're generally not going to be targeting seven, eight, nine hitters in these lineups and most of these guys will, you know, they might move up a spot or down day to day, but they sort of have a regular spot where they usually hit depending on what, how the coach feels about them. So, so yeah, you're just trying to keep rotating through the lineup. There's no time limit. There's no clock. There's no upper limit. Uh, the, just the other day, the Toronto blue Jays 
scored 28 runs, which is absolutely absurd. It's the second most ever in a Major League Baseball game. Uh, about 15 years ago, my team, the Texas Rangers, scored 30 runs in a game. And uh, that is the major league record. So there you go. But mo- most typically a team, if a team scores five runs in a game, it's usually thought of as like a pretty strong offensive game or, you know, seven, eight, nine is, is like, Oh, they scored a lot of runs. They got seven runs. That's a lot. So you, you're just trying to like keep you guys going through and, and get as many runs as you can before the defense takes away. That's why they say the game is 27 outs long. There's nine innings, three outs per inning. So each, you, you know, you start a game as an offensive team, you have 27 outs. And you're just trying to see how many runs you can get inside of those 27 outs, and but it's split up into the, the innings of three. So as far as how those guys are getting you out, you described it, Chris, like each base that the runners and hitters are trying to get to, you know, you, you hit and you go to first base, you go to second base, you go around the bases, around the horn and whatnot. Each one of those bases will be manned by a defender. So you hear talk of the first baseman, the second baseman, the third baseman, and then the, the gap between second and third base is called the shortstop. It's sort of uh, because most hitters are right-handed. They, they and it, when you're right-handed, you, a hitter, you most generally will pull balls like to your left. Uh, you know, there's opposite field hitter specialists, but so that hole, that hole between second and third, is where a lot of right-handed hitters will pull the ball. So a team will put a defender there, not to necessarily man a specific base, but to sort of man that area and that range. And so that's how you get four infielders plus a catcher. Then, and the pitcher also, after the pitcher throws the ball, they can field. So like if you, if a batter hits like a slow roller straight ahead back to the pitcher, the pitcher's allowed to pick that up and throw to the base to get them out as well. So, so when a ball is put into play and it goes to an infielder, the second baseman, he's going to throw it over to first base. And if he throws it to first base and gets the ball to the base, uh, to the first baseman's hand glove, you know, whatnot, before the runner touches the base, then that's an out, you know, so so obviously third base is a lot farther away from first than second base is. So if you can pull one over, you know, to the left side of the infield, they'll call it and it goes deep. You can, you can somehow sometimes beat that throw and get what they call an infield single and get all the way to first base before you throw it over. If you hit a little, you know, slow roller over to second base, it's just a quick flip for the second baseman to sort of get you out. Those, those will never turn into hits basically. So everyone in the infield is working together. As Chris mentioned, the catcher is kind of the, the field general, because he's looking out the opposite way of everybody. So he tells everybody where to be because he's kind of got the point of view the other way. And then you're, yeah, you're just trying to get out. So let's say there's a, let's say there's a runner on first base, pitcher pitches it, hitter, hitter, hitter hits a ground ball. It's called the ground ball uh, over to the shortstop spot, which is that spot in between second and third. The shortstop could throw it over to first to beat the hitter who is now, be, now referred to as the runner, by the way, the, the, you can try to beat the runner, to first to get one out or since there already is a player on first. So like, let's say someone's standing on first and I'm hitting and I've got a teammate that's standing on first base. He hit right before me. So I make contact with the ball and put it into play. That guy has to run. It's called a force. Like there can't be two people on one base. So I've got to like, I'm going to first base. It's got to be open. He's got to move. He's got to go to second base. It's And so what the, in that scenario I described where there's someone on first base and the ball is hit into play softly to the shortstop. He could throw it to first base to get one out, but he, more likely he's going to flip it over to second base. You get they get an out on second at second base because the the runner who was on first is forced to get there, and you beat him with the, the throw. And then they can turn around and r- whip it really quick and throw it to first base to get the runner also. So that's what's called a double play. If you've ever heard of, of a double play, it's when uh, the defense gets two outs on one play. And the reason they are able to do that is because of what we call those force outs, where 
if you're standing on a base and the ball goes into play, you have to run. You can't just like stand there and like, and like, Oh, if I go there, they're going to throw me out. I better just wait here. No, you can't do that. You have to like, you have to move. There's one caveat to this force rule. And that's if the ball's hit in the air, if the ball's hit in the air and somebody catches it on the fly, then that person has to go back to their original base and what's called tag up. So if he's standing on, let's say second base, um, he has to go back and, and, and tag up and stand on second base until that ball is actually caught. And then once he's caught, then he can attempt to move to another base. If he leaves early or if he's just like running on the pitch, like trying to steal a base, um, if he leaves early and the team can throw it back to his original base before he gets back there, then he's also out. So that would also be a, a, a version of a double play. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the fielding aspect is – not the most important for SOAR purposes, um, but it's just kind of important to understand kind of how the outs worked and how things are are um, are working. And, and obviously we have the, the outfielders too. So one's in left field, one's in center field, one's in right field. Um, there, That's the names of those positions. Um, so you'll see that as outfielder on SOAR. Typically, if you can play center field, you can also play right field or left field. Kind of a little bit interchangeable. Some differences a little bit in style, but... Um, Typically, they'll just switch around if, if they need to. Um, so I think that's a, a pretty decent overview of kind of the positions. Um, now, from a from a SORA perspective, let's just kind of quickly run through the matrix a little bit. So there's a few things that we've already alluded to that are that are scored for points. Um, but let's just quickly run through the matrix here and, and give everybody um, kind of an example of, of each thing happening. So. Um, on the server matrix, you want to, do you want to go through it, Dan, or do you want to just go bounce back and forth? Uh, well, bounce back and forth. Uh, just cut me off when you start to get bored with what I'm saying. But I think the key thing to note is that you want to know, you don't necessarily need to know the intricacies. If you're new to baseball right away, you don't need to know like what makes a good second baseman or what makes a good shortstop or what makes a good first baseman. It doesn't matter. Thankfully they, they removed all fielding stats because those Fielding stats have a big place in terms of like evaluating who to give big money contracts to in the real world, but they have very little to do in fantasy sports because they don't, they don't really lead to points or anything like that. So that's good. But if someone is a, the way they've set it up, I, 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 so there's going to be a lot more outfielders. Basically there's t- outfield is going to be the most common position because there's three of them on the field at, at one time. So there's obviously going to be a lot more outfielders than first basemen or a lot more outfielders than shortstops in the pool. Now, what the good thing Soler has done, though, is they've kind of combined. They combined first base, third base and designated hitter as and they call it corner infielders, even though kind of a strange oxymoron since designated hitters by definition aren't in the field. But they're classified a corner infielder for this. So you got three different positions that, that go into CI on Soler. And then you've got middle infielders, which is catcher, second base, and shortstop. They're, they play in the middle of the field. The other guys play on the corners. It just makes sense, right? So by do, by pooling those positions together, they've basically made it so that CIs and MIs, those populations in the game will just about match up to the outfielders. So that's good. It's Otherwise, you'd probably have a big sort of outfielders would, be way on, would just be way cheap, basically, because there'd be so much more of them. This way, it kind of balances out value wise between all the positions, which I think is good. And yeah, like I've, I've been, I, we, we may go through this later. I'm not sure, but I've, I've got my first sort of what I would call my rare card team. I've got a, a, a I've bought I've been buying cards all week and whatnot and, and picking up. So the, it was funny at first I was like not paying attention to positions. I was like, Oh, this guy's good. I'm going to get him. This guy's good. I'm going to get him. This guy's good. I'm going to him. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's see what they look like in a line. I'm like, Oh wait, I forgot to get any corner infielders. So I had to make sure that, 
the next guy that I bought was a corner infielder. And it's positions is not something you really think about in this game. I don't think until you need to think about it basically. So the good news is with, especially with DHs having the CI eligibility and also there's guys who have multiple eligibility. So there's a guy that I just picked up today. He was the last guy I picked up Wilmer Flores, San Francisco giants. Uh, He plays first base, second base, third base and DH at times. So he could be a CI or an MI for me in a lineup, which is nice. There's there's plenty of other guys that have that dual eligibility. And so you just have so much flexibility that, again, I'm not too worried about the positional eligibility until I have to, until all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, I need to fill out a spot in this lineup and I'm missing a guy. So Quick question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, is it like, um, I don't know how to say this, like the, the, the fielding team, are they all the batters as well? So like Aaron mm-hmm. Judge, for instance, where yeah. he fields as well, so it's not like the NFL field. where they have a defensive unit and an offensive unit. It's so all the same. Some yeah. guys are better defenders than offenders, and some guys are better often offensive players than defensive players. Um, so you'll see some people are called like a defensive liability, like they're really not good enough to play in the field. But since they hit so well, we got to have them in the lineup. Um, uh, a lot of times okay. that'll be your DH. Um, so those kind of guys you kind of want because this is a very offensive game on SoRare, whereas the defensive specialists don't really matter because fielding isn't scored. So if they can't hit, you really don't want them in your team, even if they are a, a pretty decent player. Um, so are you, are you, going back to the, sort of the scoring matrix, are you surprised that some of the things aren't scored? Like, for yes. instance, a catch or something like that in the field? Or? So a put-out, uh, so that's, that's called a put-out when you actually make the out. Make Typically – First basemen get a ton of those because they're at first base. So they're the ones that put out a ton of people. So it would have made it a little, that part of it would have made it a little uneven for first baseman. So I can see why they didn't do that. One thing I don't understand why they don't have on here. We talked about how you can walk if the pitcher throws four um, balls and 10, or if they throw four balls before they throw three strikes. Um, And then they have a hit batsman, which is the same thing. If you get hit by a pitch, it's basically a walk. You go down to first base as well. That's also scored. There'll be times, though, where occasionally a team will say, well, it's just not worth it to pitch to this guy. We think he's going to absolutely crush us. So we're just going to intentionally walk him. We're going to we're going to say we're going to throw four balls. You used to have to actually throw four balls. But now you just say, nope, we're not pitching to him. We'll just go ahead and give him first base. They do that a lot of times with the really, really big hitters and specifically in really big situations. Like, say, there's a couple of guys on base and, you know, you're down by one run and you have Aaron Judge coming up. Well, we don't so want Aaron him to Judge hit a home run. The ninth or something yeah, like that. exactly. We don't want yeah, him to yeah. hit a home run against us, so we'll just put him on first base and not have to deal with him. But we'd rather deal with the next guy. If you intentional walks are not scored on Sorek, so Aaron Judge would get no points for that, even though he uh, would get two points if he just walked anyway. So that's one thing that I was yeah. really surprised that wasn't on there. Uh, there was one other thing that wasn't on there that I thought. I, should have been I, also, on there. I said this before, but I'll say it again. I think hit by pitch should give you like two point five versus a walk because you know for the pain get a little pain point you know like like yeah the, it hurts the, the end re- the end result is the same of a of a hit by pitch or a walk in the game of baseball in real life but it hurts so give give me an extra fantasy point for that yeah the the other thing that I'm surprised they're not they don't have on there is what's called an error so when you're in the field and a ball gets hit to you and there's someone who judges you know if if you should make the play or not but basically if someone thinks you should make the play and you miss it for whatever reason like you can't catch it or you throw it and it goes way wild um, that's called an error and I'm really surprised that there are no minus points for errors as far as fielding because that would be one way to kind of bump down the elite hitters because they will typically get a lot of errors. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that's not on there, but yeah, I mean, generally this is a very, very basic matrix. So you don't have to have a huge baseball knowledge, um, in order to, she's probably intended to understand that. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I'm glad they have no fielding stats. Most of the, most of the ways that fielders are evaluated, especially these days have very little to do with any type of counting stat and, and more of like their, their physical traits, measured you know through analytics as far as how how much ground they cover on the field you know they call that their range and things like that so there's actually really tons of good analytical tools to evaluate who the elite uh, defensive players in baseball are but they just don't translate into a fantasy game basically yeah it's tough to score them for sure um so let's just quickly run through the matrix so we've talked a little bit about runs so run is worth three points that's when you as the runner actually come around and score um, so that's when you touch home plate and, and you touch home plate safely, obviously. Um, then we have our, what's called an RBI or run batted in. That's when you're the hitter and you hit the ball and somebody else comes around and scores. So if you hit a home run and you hit it over the fence and you go all the way around and you score, you get both a run and an RBI because you scored and you drove someone in yourself. Um, whereas you can also drive in if there's two people on base, they would also score. So you would get three RBIs in that case. So RBI are where you can really rack up points, uh, especially when you, when you start talking about home runs. We talked about single, double, triple, and home run. The points are all there for that. We talked about walk. That's two points. We've talked to, about a strikeout. That's minus one point because you don't want to strike out as a hitter. We talked about stolen bases. Uh, and we talked about hit by pitch. So I think that's everything in offensive category. Did you have any questions about the offense at all? No, really. I think it, just, it does seem to favor the offense you know, rather rather than defense, as you said, but um... sure, yeah, definitely for sure. Um, and then, as far as pitchers, um, so a pitcher will get three points for an inning pitch. So we talked about how there's nine innings. Typically, your starter is going to try to go as long as he can, but he's going to typically make it five or maybe six innings at this point. Um, there used to be times where you would go all nine innings as a starting pitcher, and occasionally, if someone's really really dominant, they can still you know make it deep into a game. That is, I will say um, that's, that's one thing just to answer David's earlier question. I am not, I'm surprised there's not like a bonus, a bonus yeah. five or bonus seven points for a starting pitcher who completes all nine innings. It's kind of rare. It's, it's more rare than ever. Very it used, rare now. It used yeah. to be a huge part of the game. Now the, the pitching roles are, are split up into a lot of different specialists for most teams, but it would have been nice to get a bonus for a complete game because that is something sure. that pitchers take pride in. It doesn't do. happen a lot anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so three points for an inning pitched. So the way that that breaks down actually is one point per out, essentially, because there's three outs per inning and you get three points for an inning pitched. You can start an inning and not finish it. Like if the manager decides, well, you're just shit today, we're just going to take you out and we're going to put somebody else in. You can have a third of an inning or, a, or two thirds of an inning. In a baseball box score, you'll see that as 1.2 would mean one and two thirds innings which is really messing up so rare data because they which, can't figure that out. <laughs> um, which is five outs, basically. Correct. That's five outs. So 1.2 is one and two-thirds innings. 0.2 would be two-thirds innings. 0.1 would be one-third inning. So they don't say like 0.3 and 0.6. It's 0.1 and 0.2. Um, and so the innings pitch, is that given to you at the start or at the end of three? Well, it's basically every out you get is one point. Yeah. yeah, but it, it's scored a three, isn't it? So you have to finish and a whole three to get the three points. 
Do we know? As far as we, as far as we can tell, we don't think so. It could turn, it could, they could surprise us, but I haven't, I haven't, I should, I could probably check by just looking uh, at the uh, live scoring on my casual league. That's what I I should do. It was kind of in question, but I believe what Chris is saying is true in terms of you get, even though it says inning pitched equals three points, what it really is, is one out equals one point. Okay. So you can get, so say you pitch five innings, you start the sixth, you get an out, and then two, three guys in a row get hits off you, and the manager says, okay, that's enough, you're out. So you have 5.1. So that should be, in theory, 16 points. In theory. Okay. But we, we haven't points. actually confirmed that. So our data has it listed as like 5.1 innings, which is not right at all. Um, but the, I'm, I'm sure they'll, they're working around to it. Um, okay, so inning pitch, a little confusing, but I think, I think we're okay there. Uh, strikeout, obviously we talked about that one. You get two points as a pitcher for that. If you allow a hit, so if you allow a single, double, triple, or home run, that's minus 0.5 points. Um, if your fielder makes an error, that doesn't count as a hit against you. If you walk somebody, that doesn't count as a hit against you. Walks are a little bit later on. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the only situations. That, that Basically, you want your pitcher to get to get um, outs and get as yeah, many outs as to possible, outs. and get as many of them possible through strikeouts as, yeah. as, as they can. I did strikeouts just confirm. I, I checked the live scoring on on my casual this weekend which I hadn't actually done the, the, because my team was not very good. So I didn't have much chance, the uh, occasion to check in with it, but yes, you do get a point per out. I've got uh, a pitcher here who threw 5.2 innings and got 17 points. So that's Perfect. good. But then he lost a bunch because he gave up a bunch of hits. That's what will happen is yeah. when you, when you're, when you're watching this uh, sort of, if you want to like live track your scoring of your team, like, okay, my, my starting pitchers going to, I want to lock in and see how my guy's doing. They're going to start and they're going to, hopefully like get a couple outs and you're like, Oh, Hey, I got, I got six. I, you know, they get through two innings clean with two strikeouts. You're like, Oh, my guy's got 10 points. I'm looking good here. You know, I'm, I'm cruising. I, I'm, he may end up with 30. Who knows? You know, things are going good. <laughs> that unfortunately it, it can, come it, it can backfire because he, your yeah. pitcher may come out for the third inning, all of a sudden just lose whatever good stuff they had going, start giving up a bunch of hits and walks. And all of a sudden your 10 points go that's down to eight. And then it goes down to seven. And then a run is scored. It goes down to five. So, there's a little bit of a roller coaster in starting pitcher scoring. And so you, you want to be what, when you're watching, you're hoping to just keep climbing the mountain. You hope, you hope to not have that, that fall off that cliff basically. Cause like a pitcher can build up a really good score, but if they don't finish it, if they don't seal the deal, they can fall off the cliff. And that's why sometimes if your pitcher pitches six innings, your starter, and it's a, a, a tight game, the score is tied, let's say, and your pitcher has, you know, 19 points and he's not, he's looking like maybe, he was a little shaky. You know, he was, he's not throwing as many strikes as he was early in the game. You're going to hope the manager pulls that pitcher out. You do right. not want the manager to send your pitcher out for the next inning uh, because they are very likely to lose a bunch of points at the very beginning and, of the inning and screw you and over. The deeper that you go into the game, this is why pitchers don't go deep into the game anymore is because analytics wise, we've realized that the more times you face a hitter, they kind of make adjustments to you and they kind of get used to facing you. So the first time through the order, you're pretty good against them. Typically second time through the order, they kind of make a couple adjustments. It's a little more dicey. And then the third time through the order. Now, a lot of managers won't even let pitchers face three times through the order. Um, so that's 18 total hitters that they could face um, before they start the third time through. Um, but the third time through the order that the batting averages are astronomical. So a lot of times the pitchers or the managers will just take them out before that happens. Um, so the deeper it goes, the more likely they are, especially if it's one pitcher, the more likely they are to kind of give up hits. Um, and so 
let's just get yeah, into real on. quick the bottom of the, the bottom three categories. If you're looking at the matrix, the last three stats on there are win, save, and hold. Yeah. A win is what you're going to be shooting for with your starting pitcher, although relief pitchers can get wins. But basically, in a perfect situation, your starting pitcher comes out, throws six good innings, has about 20 points plus, depending on how many strikeouts they got, and the team's leading. And so they pull that pitcher out and the team's up by three runs and then a bunch of other pitchers come in, a bunch of stuff happens and the game ends and the starters team won. As long as you left the game with your team winning, then you'll get credit for a win. Basically, no matter even if even if the other if the the team closes the gap, let's say you were up nine, six and it ends nine, eight, you still get the win. If You know, if you left when it was nine, six. So uh, that's that five point bonus that you can hope to get on the on on the the icing on top of your starting pitcher score. If they had a really good game, you're, you're just hoping that the team holds on and doesn't collapse for that win bonus. And so the way that they hold on and don't collapse, you want to talk about a save, Chris? Yeah. So the save is typically going to be, there's a designated guy called the closer. He's the guy that's going to pitch when it's a close game, which close game means three runs or less um, typically. Um, or you can have a few guys on base and it can, the rules can get kind of weird with a save. But anyway, typically it's going to be three runs or less. The game is within three runs and you're going to pitch typically the last inning. And if he gets everybody out and still has the lead, then you get credit for a save. Um, and then a hold is a fairly similar thing, except it's not the last guy to go. Um, the save is always the last one. You have to end the game to get a save. Whereas the hold is you come in in a quote save situation, which means the game is within three runs um, so it's a fairly close game. And then you don't end up getting a win or a save. So you can't be the winning pitcher and you can't get a save. You can't end the game. But if you're if you pitch the eighth inning and then somebody else comes in and pitches the ninth inning and gets the save, then you would get the hold. Um, holds are worth five points. So in if in every single game, the winning team is going to have a winning pitcher. And that pitcher is whoever had whoever was pitching for that team when they took the lead initially. Um and I think you also have to pitch, what is it, five innings in order to be yes, yeah. to get a win as a starter? As a starter, as a starter yeah. you have to pitch at least five innings. So if the starter goes less than five innings, it would be the first pitcher after him who would get the win. Um, but otherwise, whoever is whoever's pitching when the team takes the lead and then holds the lead for the rest of the game, they get the win. Whoever's pitching when the team falls behind and then and they end up losing the game, that's who gets the loss. So every game has a winner and a loser not every game will have a save. If it's a blowout, there won't be a save or typically holds or anything like that. But if it's fairly close, then there'll be a, a save or a hold. Was that confusing? Do you have any questions? No, no, not at all. No, actually really clear. Um, one thing that hasn't been clear right from the start is what is a relief pitcher? Is a relief pitcher the person that will come in after the starting pitcher has batted? So the guy that comes in after six innings or you know whatever, or any close game, is he regarded as a relief pitcher? Yeah, so you'll have your starting pitcher who will try to go as deep into the game as possible, which is, I mean, you, you'd like them to go all nine innings if they can, but it very rarely happens. Mm -hmm. um, and then anyone who comes in after that is a, is a relief pitcher. Typically, you'll have what's called a bullpen, which is, I don't know, seven or eight relief pitchers who mm -hmm. just kind of night after night are the, always the guys that come in after. And then you'll have a, a starting rotation uh, you'll have um, five guys typically, but it can be four, can be six um, that'll start games and then they'll take four days off and then they'll start another game and then they'll take four days off. And then they'll start another game and take four days off. Your relief pitchers are a lot more pitch this night off one night, pitch this night off one night, pitch this night off one night. Yep. And I would say, I, I just, I would love to explain sort of how each team has 
each there's basically three different roles. There's three different roles that a relief pitcher can have. And these are not official like positional designations, but these are just sort of real world applications of how managers use what's called the bullpen. Chris made a great, that's a great baseball term that uh, people should get familiar with. The bullpen is, it's actually an area on the field where all the relief pitchers hang out during the game and get, and they sort of watch the game from the other side of the fence and, and stand up and throw warm up pitches when they're about to come in. But relief pitchers, there's what I would call uh, middle relievers or long relievers. These are guys who come in and they, they could be starters potentially, in, but they're just not quite good enough but they they're used to throwing multiple innings. They can, they can last, you know, three or four innings. Let's say the starter starting pitcher came out and had a really bad day and got pulled early after like two innings when we were hoping they would go five or six. Then the relief pitcher who comes in is going to be what's called a long reliever or a middle reliever or a fireman. If you, uh, if you want to use an old school terminology, they call them, but then you've got what's called the setup men. So a, a setup man is like someone who's probably good enough to be a closer but just isn't as elite as the real closer that is on this team. So a setup man is someone that if a team, if the, if your team's up, you know, two runs in the seventh or eighth inning, the setup men are going to be some really elite relievers on the team that just aren't the, the most elite, but they could be, and they'll come in to sort of set up the closer. So they're, they're used very specifically in tight situations. They're dependent on by the managers and the setup men are the guys who are usually going to get the most holds uh, holds is a stat for like guys. And again, setup man is not some real position that anyone has. It's just the way that managers use these guys. So it's sort of like a colloquial term that, that we talk about the game with. So set up guys will go holds the long relievers. I spoke about earlier, they can sneak out wins, but it's rare. It usually means the team did really bad, but then came back and had a comeback victory. Then a, then a, then a middle reliever will end up with a win, which can help them, but it's, it's really not worth chasing on so rare. I'll explain why in a second. So then finally you get to sort of the prima donnas, the, the, the real, the relief pitchers who matter are in, especially for fantasy, which are the closers. And so you want to make sure that if you're targeting relief pitchers, you can get some cheap guys that are set up men that will get you some holds and K's. You can get some long relievers who might get you a win here and there and some strikeouts, but it's tough to know when they're going to pitch because it's usually an anomaly with things going bad for the team. The closers are the guys that you can count on. Closers are a very defined role on a team in terms of the manager's mind. Again, it's not like an official score sheet designation, but the manager knows who his closer is. The manager knows every night uh, if we have the lead in the ninth inning, this guy's coming in. So that's, you know, that's decided before the game. So that's why you want to target closers because they're locked in. And so now what can happen is kind of like a goalkeeper, you know, in soccer, a a closer can run bad. You can be the closer for your team. And then all of a sudden you make, mistakes three or four games in a row and the, the coach starts going, I don't know, maybe we need to change the closer, you know, kind, kind of like a, a soccer manager would change the goalkeeper. So uh, you do have to keep an eye on like the status of your closer. And what's what I really recommend, I recommend this. If you know, baseball, I recommend this. If you're new to baseball, you want to go online and search through your search engine of choice, search for closer depth chart. And you want to have a link to this. I use the one that's on fan graphs. I'm a big fan of the fan graphs, closer depth chart. I would highly recommend it because of the way it lays out all the information and it'll show you like all the relievers on a team and their roles in terms of who's a setup, who's a closer, who's a middle and things like that. And it'll show you some of their recent stats and recent appearances. It can, if you don't know baseball, it can be tough to interpret, but it, it is the best one that I found. I assume so rare data is going to have some type of closer depth chart going at some point that might end up being a little more user sure. friendly yeah. eventually, but yeah, use the fan graphs, closer depth chart before you buy a relief pitcher in so rare. That's what I would say is, 
because you want to know your, your relief pitcher's role and you want to get a closer because the 10 points for that save is huge. A closer also throws really hard and is almost guaranteed to get like one strikeout in, you know, they'll, they'll only pitch one inning in a very rare occasion. They might pitch two. So you're only going to get three points for the inning pitched. You're going to hope to get two for a strikeout. Maybe if you're, you know, if they have a really good performance and strike out all three outs for their inning, you'll get six, let's say, but that 10 point save bonus is real nice. Now, Again, the team has to be good. The team has to win to yes. get a save. If, if you lose, yes. you don't get a save. You don't get a chance to get a save. So you could have an entire game week where you have an elite closer and his team loses all three games that game week and he doesn't even get it on the field. So that's going to be frustrating for sure. That's where you're going to have to make managerial decisions. That's part of the fun of fantasy baseball, obviously. But like, you want to make sure that you're stocking your cards with closers. You can take risks on some setup men or some long relievers in terms of Oh, this guy's so cheap. You know, why is he so much cheaper than all these other relief pitchers? Well, it's because he doesn't have upside. He he doesn't play. And and so go for closers, use the closer depth chart. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I I, I briefly entertained the idea that I was going to look for values in mid relief and try to target holds. And I quickly came off that idea because it's it's just, I don't think it's the way to win. No, I think you're hundred percent right. And you're talking about how team performance is so crucial and, specifically with relief pitchers, it is absolutely crucial that you have good teams. So you want to be targeting the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Braves, the twins, the, the, you know, good, good teams that just win a lot are going to be in a lot of safe situations. Bad teams that don't win a lot are not going to be in a whole lot of uh, safe situations. The best thing to do is go to a stats page, uh, you know, a league league leaders, you know, stat pitching stats or whatever. Usually baseball reference would be a good one and do a sort, you know, sort the column by saves and see who has the most saves in the league. And then cross reference that against sort of the closer depth chart I mentioned earlier, because that will give you an indicator of like if their status is threatened, there'll be little notes on there like, oh, the manager's a little worried about this guy. Oh, you know, so. So you check who's like got the most saves in the league. Those would be your best closers sort of pool and then refine it by looking at the depth chart just to make sure there's no notes on a guy that might make him more risky or anything like that. And that'll help you identify uh, which, who your best relief pitchers to get are. I think, I think relief pitchers that aren't closers are going to be some of the, are going to be just like the trash in so rare. That's just going to be like the discards, you know, that you just like, if you get one, if you were to win one or something like that, let's say you'd be like, Oh my God, why did this isn't even a prize? So that's a lot of giveaways for those. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like to announce our own giveaway right now. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No. So um, I think, I think we've hit the positions pretty well. Um, Let's just quickly go through um, home and away, like great right? soccer. It's a huge home field advantage. You definitely want to start players at home. Teams will set up tactically different at home versus away. How does a home field work for baseball? Um, and is there, you know, what's the difference between different stadiums? Cause right. Alec last week alluded to a difference between, you know, some parks are set up differently. Um, how does that help or hurt or make a difference when you're selecting a line? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> What, what do you think? I'd, I'd throw that question right back to you. It's a tough question. I don't question. quite know how to answer right away. I'm sorry. So, so what I'm what I'm kind of getting at here is there's different ballparks that have different dimensions, right? Not every baseball field is the same dimensions. Um, so kind of how a soccer field can be a little wider, a little narrower, depending on how the team wants to play. Baseball fields can be set up differently. So uh, like, the, like Alec mentioned, the Orioles um, move their – right field wall back because teams kept hitting home runs off them and they don't have any power hitters to hit home runs. So they just moved it back to make it harder to hit home runs. So now nobody can hit home runs there. 
um, which is good for their team, but doesn't really help you if you've got like Aaron Judge mm-hmm. who's going there to try to hit home runs. Um, Yankee Stadium is known for having a very short porch in, in right field. So the left-handed power hitters can hit the ball out of there very easily. So a lot of times you're left-handed, big, big bats, and Aaron Judge is right-handed technically, so this doesn't really help him. But um, a lot of the other guys that they've had traditionally have been big power lefty bats, um, and they can kind of hit it out a little bit more easily at home than they can um, on the road. So I'm sure there's a lot of different stats. You, If you go on to baseballreference.com, um, which is a really great site for – they have like every every stat that you could possibly have. They have home and away splits. So you want to, you want to kind of take a quick peek and see, well, this guy's really good at home. Mm-hmm. That's great. Just only start him when he's at home. And, and he, if he's trash on the road, he's probably just a bad player. And, and he's just taking advantage of one of those home field quirk type of things. Um, I, I like that. So answer. Yes. Thanks. So, sorry that I didn't have that answer at the ready when you asked me that that is a good way to answer it. And I would just point out uh, there's, there's, there's an anomaly in the league and it's called Coors field which is uh, the, the, the brand of beer Coors, which is brewed in Colorado. It's not the best beer for, for my taste, but it is popular. And so the Colorado Rockies are a team that play in Denver, Colorado, which is the, the, highest, uh, it's the, it's the highest altitude for a major city in, in the United States of America. So Denver is known as the Mile High City. It's, it's up in the mountains, and it's, it's a big, big metropolis. So when teams go to play in Coors Field at, at the Colorado Rockies, when the Colorado Rockies are the home team, there is a noticeable effect. I don't know what the latest numbers are, but it's, you know, one or two runs per game higher because the high altitude leads to thinner air, which leads to the ball traveling further. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, hits that would be doubles become home runs. Hits that would be singles become doubles and things like that. It's not like such an outlier that it's just like a pure cheat code, but it is something to very be aware of. If you have, if you're deciding between two guys for a game, given game week, and one of them is playing their games that game week in Colorado, and the other one is playing in San Diego, which is at sea level, you're probably going to want to lean towards the guy uh, in Colorado. All other things being equal, and things like that. So that's something to be pay attention of. And then I got to give you props, Chris, because we were talking about this uh, before the show officially started, and I actually had this all wrong uh, because I was thinking about it the wrong way, and. Uh, but there is a difference. If you're the home team and you're winning the game, then you do not bat in the ninth inning because you don't need to. Because in the ninth inning, you the so the in any inning, the visiting team bats first, the home team bats second. That's that's standard universal. So if you're the home team batting second and you are winning the game, then you don't come up to bat again. You don't because you don't need to. You don't have anything left to prove. You've already got more runs than the other team. Let's just chill it and move on. So. That means that the visiting team, I, I was thinking, okay, so now I want to have home players because they'll they'll always have, you know, if they're losing, they'll always have that extra chance to come up. But I actually was all wrong about that. Chris, explain how that really applies to the stretch. So essentially, if your team is on the road and you have a hitter, you know for a fact they're going to come up to hit nine times. There's going to be nine innings where they come up and have a chance. If you have home, home field players, there's a chance if they're winning the game and typically any game that they win at home, um, unless they are tied and then they end up hitting a walk-off at the end. Um, but pretty much any game that they win at home, as long as they're ahead after eight innings and then they close it out in the ninth inning, they don't have to hit at home. So they may only get eight chances to hit against um, the visiting team's nine chances to hit. So you might just want to think about that, especially with guys in like the five, six, seven area. Cause that's, I feel like that's always where the lineup kind of ends. 
um, you might just want to think about, well, he's at home. He may not get as many chances as, um, as the visiting team may get. So just, just kind of keep that in mind. He could, if they're winning, he could potentially lose two to three uh, chances to come up and hit compared versus a, a t- if he, if they were on the road, basically in a weekend series, not in one single game, but over the course of a, of a game week. Yeah. If they win all three games, which, yeah, it, it, it won't make a huge difference. It's not like right. don't play anybody at home. It's right. just, if you have something that's super, super close, everything else is equal, maybe lean towards the away player. Um, so that's, that's home, home field away, f- uh, away. Um, I think that's a, a pretty good kind of overview. Um, do you have any questions for us as far as terminology, where to find stuff, um, how to score? Um, we're going to go through strategy here in, in a second, but any questions as far as just the very basics of, of the game so far? Um, one, one quick one on pitches. If you've got an all-star pitcher, why would they only pitch once a week or once a series? That's what mm-hmm. I, I can't get my head around it. So a starting pitcher is going to probably throw a hundred pitches in a game and your shoulder just can't take that much pressure every single day. So you're going to typically pitch once and then be off four days and then pitch. So you'll have five man rotation. Um, so which is standard it, it's all stars, non all stars, like everybody, typically you're in a five man rotation. Occasionally, occasionally in the playoffs, you'll go to a four man rotation and you'll pitch a little, a little more, but also in the playoffs, you've got some, some more off days in there. Um, so it, it, it's a little easier, but your, your arm just physically can't take it. And a lot of guys, their arms can't take it anyway. There's a pro- proliferation of what's called Tommy John surgery, which is basically you, you messed up your, your arm so bad that you have to completely redo the arm. Um, and it can, you can come back from it, but it's also very, like, it's a big process. It takes like a year to come back from. Um, so it's already people are putting too much stress on stress on their arms. Um, but yeah, they, there's just a rotation of starters. And then for the relief pitcher, they're only going to pitch one inning. They're probably throw 10 to 15 pitches. Um, so they can kind of pitch, you know, every day, every other day type of thing. Whereas the starters are going to throw a hundred pitches. It's just a lot more stress on the arm. Any other questions? No, I think that was that. Yeah, that's that for right. Yeah, that's everything for that. Oh, sorry. How do you know which relief pitcher will play? I know you mentioned earlier as the depth closer depth chart. Did, did in terms of like starting pitcher and relief pitcher, do they announce that pre-game? So starting pitcher, they announce. There, there's typically, like I said, a rotation. It'll be pretty consistent where you'll see your guy in every five days, or maybe they have an off day, so every four days. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll know who the starting pitcher is ahead of time. The relief pitcher is, is more is is more kind of game situation, game dependent. So you'll have some guys that are lefty specialists, so they only come up to face left left-handed batters um you'll have some guys who are like you said the closer so they'll only come in if the team's ahead by three runs or less so if the team is ahead you know three days in a row the closer may pitch three days in a row if they're you know losing a bunch of games then they may not pitch for three four days so um it's it's game dependent for the relievers a little bit but with the general rule for general roles typically you'll have somewhat consistent play time it won't be like huge spurts on and huge spurts off. It, it's generally balances out. Okay. I would just underline, like, like I said, just like how the manager always knows who his closer is going to be, you know, before the game starts, the manager, you know, will knows who the start, the pitchers are going to be before the week starts. They set what's called a, a rotation that Chris has referred to a couple of times, whereas we know these five guys are going to go and then we'll start the thing over again. But the one thing to search just, 
if you're looking for, you know, injury news or like changes to the normal set rotation, the term you want to search on, on any search engine would be uh, probables. Probable pitchers is sort of the, yeah. the designation that sites will give. And they'll, so you say, Hey, who, who are my probables for the Braves for the next 10 days? You know, you can search that and you'll find a myriad of sites that will list. If you go to ESPN.com and just look at the schedule for the next two weeks, it'll list the probable pitchers for all those games and things like that. So it's, I've been saying this in some chats. I want to say it on mic. Like the one good news, if you're coming from soccer with no knowledge of baseball and you'll very much appreciate that team news is much easier to come mm-hmm. by. And, and yeah. you know, all the esoteric Twitter searches that you're doing, trying to find out info on guys in, in the, in the J league, this is going to be much easier. You can, you can, uh, because of, you know, the way American sports reporting injury reporting works, it's, it's much more developed for, for baseball and for NFL because of gambling purposes and stuff like that. So uh, the info is out there and easier, much easier to find. Thank God. Well, maybe not for the MLS, but yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. MLS is horrible. Um, <laughs> is yeah. We worse. still don't know where David Ochoa is, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, so yeah, that actually so rare I've seen is listed as probable pitcher. When you go into select a, a starting pitcher, it'll tell mm-hmm. you which game that they're supposed to pitch. Yeah, but if, basically if you're choosing a pitcher for your yeah. lineup, make sure it says PP next to their name. Uh, oh, it, okay. it, I always wonder what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. It won't, yeah. it won't show if they haven't announced it though. So they teams officially announce things beforehand. So like if your guy is pitching today, let's say he may still pitch Thursday, but they won't announce it until after his start, just in case he has, you know, an injury or something in the game today, they won't say, okay, he's good to go Thursday until this game is over. So um, just, just kind of keep an eye. If you think you should have a starting pitcher, there are definitely websites you can go to track and make sure that, you know, nothing's wrong with them. Nothing's happened. Um, but it just because it doesn't say PP doesn't mean he's not starting. PP just means he's officially said by the manager, this guy's going to start this day. So if it says PP, you're good to go. Um, yeah, I think that's, if it doesn't then do more research. Right. Exactly. But not every pitcher, not every starting pitcher will pitch every game week because there's only four games max in a game week. And typically it's going to take five games to get through the rotation. So you will have to have some, some backup starting pitchers to ready to go. Um, if, if we don't have any other questions, I think let's let's dive into a little bit of strategy here. I know yeah. we we talked about the top. I, I have just the top three at each position for me, value wise. I'm not going for. I mean, everybody knows Aaron Judge is great. If you can afford him, go get him. But I'm talking values as far as you know, people that I think are underpriced or people that I think are are performing at a high level or could start to perform at a high level. Um, so I when have does my, this show my get released here. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, when does this show get released? Do yeah, you, actually, you you have like two days head start because we're recording this on Sunday and it won't Ooh. get released till Tuesday. So <laughs> yeah, you're you're ready to go here. So just follow and see what Sora Monkey has done in the last two days <laughs> and you'll know exactly. You don't even have to listen to the rest of this. Um, so let's go ahead and go through and just talk a few positions here. And this will be kind of the first time we've talked actual legitimate players and, and individuals. So this will be fun. Um, let's start with middle infielder and I guess we'll kind of bounce back and forth and you just give me one player and I'll give you one player. Um, not, no particular order, but just give me, give me a value play at middle infielder. Am I, can I just pump pump, uh, my own guys that I've already bought? That's all I'm doing. So I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, how I define value here, I guess. Uh, what, how low are we going, uh, in, in the current market? So I want to just say before, when, before we start this, because I made my list 
pretty much based on the players that I've bought. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's because there's really I haven't found any really good solid rankings. So I made my own kind of rankings and went through that a little bit. But I also wanted to make sure price was a, a point. So this is literally just me thinking of players that I'm that I go and look at their price and go, oh, that's a good price. Mm-hmm. There's no science similar. involved here. I'm not saying yeah, these are the top guys. I'm just off the top of my head. That guy's a good player. Oh, he's not worth a whole lot right now. I'm going to go pick him up. Um, so, yeah, value is just kind of I think he's worth more than that at this point. And not not Ooh. necessarily because I have a couple guys that are that, that have some some cash attached to them. But um, right. yeah, it, it doesn't have to be any specific limit. But that's pretty much where I'm at, too, especially because if you've watched the auctions, the prices are, are still very volatile. Got, yeah. People are finding insane deals, you know, in the middle of the night. Get, getting getting you know the number three cereal for like 20 percent of the number one cereal and stuff like that i mean it's it's happening it's going to be a little while i think we're gonna have to get into the game and see how prize distribution goes to really normalize prices so i'm at the same spot you are but if you want to uh do like we said i i'm going to throw out my first value bat and this is a guy he's a middle infielder second baseman uh i'm actually he plays on a team that i really like for the for the near term here on so rare just based on looking at the schedule and so I'm going to throw out Tyro Estrada, the second baseman for the San Francisco Giants. That's spelled T-H-A-I-R-O, uh, if you if my pronunciation was horrible. This is a guy, last selling, he's selling it under 0.05. So I think that's a fairly good price. You might even be able to get him for like 0.03 on a lucky auction. This is a guy who's played 100% in the last five. He plays almost every day. It, it, it's going to be tough to find like a, anyone with a 100% of last 40 or even last 15 plays because guys get days off. And that's why the game week is nice for hitters because you have the three game series, even if they might miss one game, they'll come back for the other two. Right. No but uh, Tyro, what I, what I'm looking for when I'm looking for value again, I like the schedule. I like the fact that the giants play in the same division as the Colorado Rockies. So they're going to get games in cores, like I mentioned. And then they also play in the same division as the Diamondbacks. That is one thing to note is that you play everyone in the league, but you play more games against your own division. So it is, it is worth like seeing who's in what division, because that will dictate the schedule a little bit. Tyro, he's averaging only five and a half. So rare points a game in his last five, but season long, he's averaging about eight. So I think he's just maybe in a little bit of a downswing, ready to come back. The Giants, I believe, last I checked, were third in the league in runs scored. So even though they're kind of a mediocre team because they don't have great pitching, they do score a lot of runs, which is good because, uh, as you noted earlier in an earlier episode, Chris, runs run scored for a hitter is a pretty good predictive stat in terms of how future performance might go. If they, uh, it's Hitting is tough, and you can fail 70% of the time and still be elite. So, But being able to get on base through walks – in addition to hits gives you extra chances to score runs. And that's why if you're, if you're looking at a, a predictive stat run scored is pretty good. As you an, analyzed Giants score a lot of runs, Tyro gets in the lineup. He's, he's maybe in a little bit of a slump and ready to come back. That's the other thing is like slumps are all over the place. Like even Aaron judge, who like this is really good timing of when so rare came out and they tied their star to Aaron judge because he is one of the, by far one of the best hitters in the league. He's also in an insane hot streak right now, right at the same right. time. So rare is launching. Like he's at the, in great form at the top of his game and form is going to vary wildly for these guys in baseball. You play 162 games as a, uh, and you play every single day as opposed to a 30 or 40 game uh, football season where you play once a week. So form can change quickly. We in, in soccer football, you know, you, a guy hits a bad stretch of form and you're down for a month. 
here you might only be down a couple of days before they snap right back out of the slump and get to right. hitting again. So I like Tyro Estrada. That's a whole lot of words to talk about a semi scrubbish second baseman, but we're looking for values here. So give me Tyro. So I'm gonna. I'm just. I've never looked at him before. I just pulled up his server data. One thing I noticed with him, he's got a ton of stolen bases. Thirteen stolen bases this year. Doesn't strike out a whole lot. Also has some power. Nine home runs. Um, so yeah, I mean, he seems like a very consistent kind of middle of the road guy. Doesn't look like he has a. I mean, he does have some games that are that are big, um, but he doesn't you know hit thirty home runs or anything like that. So he doesn't have a ton of upside. But he's just a very solid, consistent player. And yeah, that at that kind of price level, that's really not bad. And he's only 26. So 26 in baseball is pretty young. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not typically going to see guys break into the league at 21, 22, 23. They're typically going to come a lot later on because the college draft is really big. So you get guys starting at like 22 and, you know, it takes them two, three years to get to the big league. So 25, 26 is not old right. at it. Uh, if, they did, if they did a young division, kind of like the U23 in soccer, I, I would guess like under 26, U26, 27. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's one, one difference. Another, another thing is I'll be, I'll be quoting rare prices here. I, I'm kind of focusing on the rare division for my, my first launch into this on so hope to get into super rares and then I'll probably will pick up limiteds, but I just figure it's easier to go down a division than up. So yeah. any prices I quote here are for rares, uh, yeah. 0.03, 0.04 for Tyro is pretty good. He's not my first choice. He's not like the guy I'm targeting for my number one, second baseman. There's he's not some bad. Other, he's really middle, not infield, bad. middle infielder, I should say, but yeah, he's, he's not bad for cheap. I'm sure he'll be on my team before this comes out. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you my first one. Um, and my guy is a former all-star. He used to play for the Astros on their big team. He's now a twin. It's Carlos Correa. Um, obviously, he's, he's kind of got a super name. So I'm not sure why he's only – last I saw, he was .06 on the rare market. He's hitting 281, so that's an average. Um, so that means basically – Every time he comes up to the plate, 28% of the time, he's going to get on base. So 281 means 28%. Um, 290 is 29%. 300 is 30%. 300 is a really good batting average. 281 is a pretty solid batting average. Um, He's got 12 home runs. Uh, He plays for the Twins now. He used to play for the Astros. Correa, C-O-R-R-E-A, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's averaging 7.2 solo points per game. I went for the whole season because I'm not really interested in form. I want to know how good these guys are overall. I don't think he's having a great season by his standards, but he's still averaging 7.2, 0.06 for the rare. Um, I'm I'm pretty happy to to have him on my team at at that price. Um, Give me maybe one more middle infielder here because we'll kind of speed it up a little bit. Uh, Let's see if I... I I don't know if he counts as a value. I'm going to throw out my fit. One of my very favorite players in the league, a guy that I followed since college it's, and he plays for your team, Chris Dansby Swanson. He's got a great name. They call him Lieutenant Dan's, uh, you know, based on the Forrest Gump reference there, Lieutenant Dan's Dansby Swanson. He's probably the only person I've ever heard of in life named Dansby. It's not, not a very uh, uh, common name. So that kind of makes him stick out. He's a cool kid. He's just awesome. He, He plays really well shortstop for the Atlanta Braves probably going to cost a little more than the two guys we mentioned earlier, but I think he's worth it. He's having a pretty, I got it. He, I picked him as my common because he popped up as my common choice. I was like, Oh, I love Dansby. He'll be my common. And uh, he's having a really good game week this week. So yeah, g- give me Dansby. And I will say uh, you can change the positions. I'm going to build a so rare data watch list and put all these players that we're talking about here today on it. And then we, we can share it in the show notes or something like that. So uh, no, between the three of us, you mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
know, let's see. <laughs> um, no, that's really great. List, but this will be the Soda in the States watch list. Let's say that. Yeah. Oh, I have my watch list of prospecty type guys that I'm going to pick up really under the radar. Anyway, um, Maya, uh, I'm, I'm going to we'll just keep it to two here. I'm going to go with Javi Baez, who is a former Chicago Cub. Shout out to Alec. Uh, not having a great season, doesn't hit for a ton of average. Like he doesn't get a lot of hits. Uh, but he does have power, uh, only nine home runs this year, but I know he's got more than that in him. He's only 0.038. So he's averaging 5.6 points per game right now. I think that's, that's for the season. Um, I think that's going up. I, I, he's not had a good year. Um, he's in a kind of a bad situation. So maybe he'll get traded at the trade deadline. We'll see. Um, but he's a, I think he's a Detroit tiger now. Um, Javier Baez, B-A-E-Z is going to be my other middle infielder. So give me, let's move to corner infielder now. Um, give me your, uh, give me your corner infielder. Well, uh, as we speak, I'm having issues loading up my, uh, my watch list that I had created just for this. So give me a second on that. Uh, but if I'm just thinking of corner infielders, I, I pick, I actually did pick up another giant for my, for my first corner infielder. I picked up Wilmer Flores again. I I'm going to harp on the giants. It's not like they're the best elite team out there, but I just like their upcoming schedule for the next three weeks here into August. So that's why I've been kind of picking up a few of their guys and Wilmer Flores, another, another, you know, not solid, not spectacular bad that you'll be able to get for cheap, I think. And uh, he his multi-position eligible. He's quarter infielder and middle infielder. So there's that flexibility. And, and I like him. I, I'm for whatever reason, I'm liking my giants for value bets. What can I say? That's another thing we didn't quite get to stacking when we were talking before, but stacking can be important. Um, obviously when, when one guy's on base and somebody else knocks him in, both players are getting points for that. So the points will be correlated. If you have a good offensive team, you want to try to get Yankees and Braves and Dodgers and all the guys, basically if anyone's playing for the Yankees, Dodgers or Braves, you can go ahead and pick them up and be fairly confident. They're going to at least be decent. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that just got traded actually from my Pittsburgh pirates. Uh, so they actually pulled his card because he is no longer a Pittsburgh Pirate. So there's only five rares out there for uh, Daniel Vogelback. Um, he is does not hit for a high average, but again, I'm looking for power hitters. He's got 12 home runs, 34 RBI. And what really attracts me here, he's 5.9 average um, on so rare. What really attracts me here is he just got traded. So he went from one of the worst offensive situations in baseball to one of the better offensive situations with the Mets. So I'm excited to have Daniel Vogel back on, on the squad because I think that average probably goes up a little bit. Um, plus, I have one of only five cards that are minted for the Pirates. So that's got to have some collectible value. Um, who's your next one on corner infield? Let me throw out a guy that plays for a pretty bad team, the Cincinnati Reds. But again, you're going to be able to get him pretty cheap. And he's one of their better hitters. And he has a really – I'm always looking for guys that have – slightly lower L5 than L40 or than season long average, because to me form will bounce back to that season more likely. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to catch guys that are like in slumps and about to come out. So let me throw Brandon Drury out there. D R U R Y. If uh, the spelling's a little weird, but Brandon Drury, another solid, but not spectacular guy who you can get for probably under 0.01, maybe even down to 0.06, 0.07 range, depending. Although he did have an auction go kind of high today, but, Again, averaging six points on the on the L5, but season-wide, he's going nine points a game. And the Reds are not the best team, I'll give you that, but they can score some runs. A lot of times, bad teams are bad because they have bad pitching, uh, is more yeah. likely. And so a lot of, so 
don't shy away necessarily from hitters on a bad team um, necessarily. Like you don't have to, as a rule, you should investigate, be willing to investigate hitters that are on quote unquote bad teams. Cause they can still provide you a lot. Uh, but yeah, th- th- so those are my two values. I would throw out, if you got the money, just go get Vlad Guerrero Jr., the first baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, this guy's an absolute stud. He's absolutely raking. And he he if you're looking for the the 12 point a game type of uh middle He's infielder, a monster. don't be afraid to go spend on, on Vlad bad Vlad. But we're going value here. So yeah, give me give me Drury and Flores and call it good. And I'll throw Yandy Diaz out there one more and toss it back to you. <laughs> just chucking names for fun he, he had too many corner infielders in his galleries so I, I gotta get all these guys out of here um no i'll go um so mine's a little bit more expensive too and mine links really well with a lot of other players which is why i kind of like him mine's anthony rizzo we talked about the new york yankees having good players there he's averaging 8.7 doesn't hit for a big average which is seems like a consistent theme with my guys I don't really care about average, although I probably should a little bit more. But his, I'm really excited about the power. 22 home runs, 57 RBI. You can get him for under 0.1. Last sale was 0.09. So I I do like Rizzo. And especially if you're going to get Judge, get somebody like Rizzo to kind of match with that. Um, Let's move to the outfield now and talk about a couple of outfield players that are um, under the radar a little bit. Sure. Who you got? Oh, I'm going to start this one. All right, cool. So I'm going to go. <laughs> I just want to sort my list here. <laughs> I'm going to go with a guy who, when Aaron Judge broke out, this dude was matching him swing for swing and home run for home run, and that's Cody Ballinger. Now, he hasn't been great this season. He's only got 12 home runs. He's only hitting 210, um, so he's got a 6.1 SOAR average, but he's only .062. He plays for the Dodgers, which is a great offensive team, and he still plays every day, so I'm not worried about that. Um, eventually the power is going to come back to Cody Bellinger. And when it does, he's going to be an absolute monster. So I, that's going to be my under the radar. Type. I like Cody, very quality player, world series champion. Right. And uh, uh, definitely someone who I think can bounce back. Let me give you another bounce back candidate. And this finally gives me a, a chance to recommend one of my Rangers, Adalis Garcia, a Texas Ranger uh, leadoff hitter guy who scores a lot of runs, who he's an outfielder, right field. He's, Again, I, 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 the theme of guys I'm recommending here are guys who are maybe in a catching a little bit of a slump. Adolis's L15 is 3.7, but his season long is over eight. So I think there's a chance to get back to good form there. Rangers typically score a lot of runs as well. I don't know exactly where they are on the list, but Adolis probably trading around 0.05, 0.06 rares, maybe a little lower. That's so give me, yeah, give me my guy Adolis. Yeah, Cody Bellinger's 0.062. I forgot to mention that. Um, I'll go a little more expensive for my next one. Another guy that I think is having, he's having a good year power-wise, but not average-wise, and I expect more from him average-wise, is Byron Buxton, who's a twin. I I do like the twins lineup. They have a couple guys that are kind of under the radar for me. Um, He's he's hitting uh, 216 this year, which is not great, but he's got 23 home runs, which is a, a large, large number, and he's got 43 driven in. He's just a little over 0.1, which isn't horrible for a guy that I think could be a, an absolute blue chip superstar. And he's drafted as a blue chip superstar. I think he was number two overall. Um, I think he's 8.4 average silver points for the season. Um, so a little bit of a higher end type guy, but definitely a guy that I think can squeeze more points out of his talent, if that makes sense. What's his name again? I can't see him. Byron Buxton, B-U-X-T-O-N. And it's so funny. I, I keep mentioning, I remember when I was really the most into baseball five or six years ago, you like, I was, uh, 
I remember Buxton coming in. That's so funny. Like a lot of the guys who were like super prospects, yeah. you know, back in my, when I was working major league baseball have now become the veterans. So it's always right. fun. And I, I like Buxton for sure. It's great to see that he's still making a name. And, and the Astros took Correa over Buxton in that draft too. So I've got both of them in my, uh, in my list. Okay. Let's move to pitchers. We if, have- if you look at, if you, sorry, if you look at him, yeah. he's got an 8.4 for his last 40. So obviously good in the past. And at the moment, it's progressively going downhill. Is there any reason for that? Or is that just a slump? It's just slumps. Those things happen in baseball. Um, his average is not great. So if he doesn't have, if he's not hitting home runs, he's not scoring, which is kind of a theme for a lot of my guys. They're kind of boomer bust type guys. Um, but that's kind of what I want in my team. So I, I do think the average will come back a little bit. He's better than a 216 hitter. So I don't, I don't know why that's so low. But um, one thing I should mention, I'm not looking at last five at all. I would look at last 15 as like, a is he slumping? Is he not slumping? Maybe last 40 as like a just kind of a general, because last 40 is only a month for these guys. Like last 40 right. is a year in soccer, but it's a month for baseball players. Yeah, right. it's right. Um, so I, I'm looking at the year stats and I may even go back to last year too, because there's a ton, of these, a ton of these guys hit really well last year and they're just not having great years. You'll see that. Like you can mm. have guys that just, for whatever reason, they hit 280 their whole career, but they have one year, they hit 210. And, you know, I don't know, their girlfriend broke up with them or something and they just can't hit that year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it happens with baseball players. I am looking for a lot of the guys that have more power because typically if you're not hitting 20, 25 home runs, you don't typically ramp up to 20, 25 home runs. Whereas if you're hitting a lot of bombs, you, the average will kind of come and go, um, except if you're Joey Gallo, who just never hits for average. Um, <laughs> trust yeah, the, so trust the, the large trust the large sample size. And right. If, if a guy In baseball, it's all about numbers, sample size. If yeah. the recent numbers are way lower than the sample size, then investigate. And that's 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 your spots to do some digging and find out why and see if there's opportunity. Really, this red data should it like have a maybe an L80 for baseball. Sorry, what was the question? Yes, they should. So I think they data. definitely should. I, I believe so rare data will will is working on some type of longer metric. They're trying to figure yeah. out what works yeah. best for sure for that very reason. No, L40, yeah, it's crazy when you think about it. That's just over a month or so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even pay attention to it. I just go to the So5 score tab and just look at their total year, and that's what I'm basing off of. I even have I, – I went back and got stats from 2021 as well. I did, I threw out 2020, 2020 because of the coronavirus and that whole thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I went back at the 2021 stats and then kind of weighted things. That's how I did my power ranking. So I've got a, a couple of guys who are a little bit, you know, not having great years, but are, are superstars. When my second going. outfielder is going to keep in the Texas outfield. I'm going to go with Leody, L-E-O-D-Y, Tavares. Leody Tavares. And this is a youngster. This is this is one for now in the future. This is a, a bright young prospect. We talked about how 26 and 27 is pretty young for a major league baseball player. Leody's 23. So this is a true U23 who's up in the majors. He had, he's probably going to be moving up. He hits lower in the lineup right now, which is something I've kind of come out against as a general principle, but he's super hot and he will probably be moving up into more of a core top five role in the lineup fairly soon. And he's, yeah, I, I really love Leody Tavares. So I, I had to shout out to Rangers when it came to the outfield because the Texas Rangers kind of the tradition is to have real big hitting outfielders. We've always have, you know, in any, whatever iteration of this team of the Texas Rangers has been power hitting outfielders, kind of a, a, a motif and we've got a couple of them right now for sure lovely Odie as a youngster all right let's move to starting pitchers here really quickly because we're running a little over on time um so I'll, I'll start with mine my first one i could not believe that i got the out of one 
as cheaply as I did. Now he came on the market a little late and this might be something for everyone to watch. Guys that are hurt were not on the market. So there are some big names like Ozzy Albies, like Fernando Tatis Jr., who are not on the market yet. And this guy was one of them. He wasn't on the market the first day, the first couple of days. I think I picked him up maybe Friday or Saturday was his first card. I got the one of rare for like 0.02, which is absurdly low for a guy this good is Chris Archer, who's a perennial all-star pitcher, has been hurt quite a bit in fairness. But when he's starting, he's electric. He's got a, a really good case for nine. He's got a decent ERA. So ERA is earned run average. Basically, how many runs you give up divided by how many innings you pitch. Um, earned runs you give up, I should say. So he's averaging 12.5, which is not a huge number. But I am just banking on talent here. And Chris Archer has a ton of talent. Yep. Here's a starter that I actually just bought. So if I can pump one of my own guys, I will. I think he's going a little underpriced for a team that's that's pretty solid, the New York Mets. And I'm talking about a guy named Taiwan Walker. It's it's another mm-hmm. crazy spelling, T-A-I-J-U-A-N, Taiwan Walker. He throws for the Mets. He gets a lot of strikeouts. He gets 20 points a game, pretty locked. If, his game log, if you look at his game logs and compare them to some guys that are trading at like 3X his price right now, Taiwan projects is a real nice value for a team that is – potentially going to be in the playoffs and, and be playing, you know, important critical games down the stretch and whatnot trading under point, 0.01. I got him for super cheap, like 0.069. I think there, there's my 69 bit again, but yeah, I like Taiwan a lot. They're going to be in the playoffs as a wild card team because the Braves <laughs> yeah, the yeah. they play in the same division as, as think, Chris's team, the Atlanta. Braves. I think we need to go ahead and make that note. It's very important that we say that uh, Taiwan Walker is a really good pick. A former Mariner too, which I remember from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a guy that I am projecting a little bit and I way overpaid for his super rare, but I just love his stuff is electric. And you'll hear that term. His stuff is electric. That means He's got really good break or really he throws the ball really hard. Basically, he's going to get a lot of strikeouts. Um, and that's a guy called Reed Detmers. He was taken 10th overall by the Angels a couple of years ago, um, had the coronavirus year, so didn't play at all that year. And then his is really shot up through the through the minor leagues and is on the big league club now. Um, I way overpaid for his super rare. I'll be totally honest, mm-hmm. but I thought it was worth it because he he just reminds me of a guy that's going to strike out a ton of people. Um, 4.11 ERA is not great for his first year, but I'll, I'll take it. Um, but I got him, uh, his rare is pretty cheap 0.03 and he averages 15.2 server points a game, which is again, projecting a little bit. He's definitely one more for the future, but he is starting right now. So he can contribute to a team right now. Yep. He's, uh, he's, he's not bad. I, I like Detmers a lot. The other pitcher I want to throw out is a Houston Astro, which is kind of, not really my jam that the Astro as a Texas Rangers fan, the Astros are kind of our nemesis, but I really like this kid His uh, another weird name for all the people out there. Framber, <laughs> Framber Valdez from bear probably is probably a better way to say F R A M B E R 28 year old starter, probably get him for around a little under 0.15, which I think is good. Another fireballer, a little bit of a dicey spot where the division that he plays in is known for having, you know, generally good offenses sometimes, but, then again, the Oakland Eight Athletics are in that division, and they're one of the worst teams in baseball. So you're going to get some good matchups with Fromber. He was just recently in the MLB All-Star Game, kind of a guy who's coming to his own, rising up the rankings, you would say. And it, it, it just illustrates how silly this can be. If you look at him, his L5 is zero. Oh, no, you know what? What happened? How does he have a zero L5? Well, because he takes every five days off, and they had the All-Star break. So, And he just hasn't pitched since the end of the All-Star break. He's pitching tonight, actually, as we record this episode. So... 
Again, don't pay attention to the L5. Just look at the, the season-long numbers. Love from Valdez. What's the number that they show on so rare? Is that the L15 or the L5? 15 on so rare, the, the yeah. uh, vanilla site. They go by the 15, okay, yeah. Cool. Data, so rare data is still working out exactly how they're going to handle baseball. They've been doing an admirable job so far. They're definitely getting a lot better. Yeah, quickly. Um, so rare data gets so much better is. so quickly. That's why we yeah. love them. Yeah, they always shout out so rare data. Yeah. Um, let's go. Uh, so one more position, relief pitchers. Um, I'm going to go with a guy who's had my heart forever. He's been the best relief pitcher in baseball for a decade. He used to be a Brave. He's now, unfortunately, a Dodger, as all of the Dodgers are former Braves because they just steal all of our players. But now we can pay them all. So, you know, watch out. Anyway, Craig Kimbrell, 0.04 for the rare. He's the closer for the Dodgers. CRA is a little on the high side. Again, not having a great season. He's getting older. He's kind of more of a fireballer. So that is difficult to do when you're older. Um, but he still has 16 saves, averaging 8.9. Um, pretty much with relief pitchers, you're looking for closers for top end teams. He's the closer for the Dodgers for now. Um, so we'll uh, we'll make him. Craig okay. Kimbrell. Kimbrell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kimbrell is a great old pitcher he's a little too old for me i age i'm not focusing on age quite as much in baseball as i am in soccer i i joke all the time that my club is fc dicaprio because if you get over 30 then i'm gonna sell you (laughs) just kind of the way it goes but uh uh baseball i don't care quite as much but kimbrell just it just gets gets the hair on the back of my neck up when i see what he's like 36 37 years old so so good uh, i got two relievers and i really i personally think these will probably be the only relief pitchers that I buy. I, I don't think you go value in relief pitcher. I think you just go get the, the best guys um, and don't get cute with it. I, I've tried to give a lot of value bats and, and some value starters with relievers. I'm going to pay up. I'm going to go get the very two best guys. Edwin Diaz really uh, closer for the New York Mets, almost unassailable position team that gets a lot of wins team team that will be playing close, close games. Edwin Diaz, he's my man. He's going to get you hopefully 15 to 20 points every game week, and you're going to call it good. If you can't quite get up to Diaz, who's somewhat expensive, although prices are dropping, you want to look to the Atlanta Braves. Also, you know, in the same division, you want to grab Kenley Jansen, K-E-N-L-E-Y Jansen. With an E at the end, Kenley, a little bit older, a little bit cheaper, not quite as many strikeouts, but he balls out. The Braves are a great team. Uh, That NL East National League East division is very competitive and is known for close games. So go get Edwin Diaz and Kenley Jansen and call it good with relief pitcher, in my personal opinion. So I got a shout out because I'm surprised we haven't mentioned him. I thought you were going to go with this anyway. Uh, the Yankees closer, Clay Holmes, is only 0.1, which I was shocking to me. Um, he's like 28, 27, 28. He's still very young. He has a 1.26 ERA, which is phenomenal. And he gets a, a good amount of strikeouts. So I is, am, is his job safe, or is he? I mean, is he locked in? As, as far as I know, he's he's got like seventeen saves. I was um, wondering. Yeah, I mean, they do have a role as Chapman, but Chapman's always been. Eh. So I'm, I'm sure they have other pitchers too. But uh, Clay Holmes is one of my guys. Uh, but that was not my actual pick. My actual pick is I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here a little bit. So we talked about positional eligibility earlier and how some guys can be eligible for first base and outfield, or they can be eligible for second base and, you know, third base. You don't typically see a lot of positional eligibility with pitchers. There are four guys on the platform that have both starting pitcher and relief pitcher eligibility. This guy is the best clearly by far of those four. His name is Spencer Strider. And the advantage here is he's actually a starting pitcher. 
and he actually could be really good. He's like 23 years old. He's been fantastic with the Atlanta Braves so far this year. He's averaging 17.8 points per game. So to put that in perspective, Clay Holmes was 9.7. Kimbrell was 8.9. He's at 17.8. He is very expensive because he can be put at relief pitcher and you can have an extra starting pitcher essentially. Um, But then it's my... His designation on so rare is pitcher and starting and relief pitcher. Yeah, he's got both. You'll see on his card, it says SP and RP. Typically, it either says starting pitcher or relief pitcher. Um, he had a couple of relief, relief appearances at the beginning of the year, and he's been starting since then, which you see sometimes with young guys. They'll break in with the bullpen, and then they'll get moved to the full rotation. Um, he could be an ace. He could be absolutely dominant. If he lives up to his full potential, that's going to be a must-start card at relief pitcher for any lineup. Like that's oh, going to be the, that's going to be the cheat code card. Yeah, his last row was 0.6, so it's definitely not value as far as being cheap, but it's value as far as he's going to be the if you play MLS, he's going to be the Carla Seal card that you just have to have in your lineup in order to be competitive um, as a as a relief pitcher specifically. You don't want to start him at starting pitcher because a ton of a ton of guys are going to rack up a bunch of points at starting pitcher. But at relief pitcher specifically, it's hard for those guys to rack up points or harder. So the fact that he's starting games is a huge, huge advantage. And I think that one that's only going to grow as we as he gets more and more dominant. He's also got absurd numbers. He's got a 13.8 Ks per nine innings, which is absurd. So He's also um, got a great mustache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Very bushy, He also okay. looks the part, a la Tom Bogert. Shout out to Tom Bogert, who doesn't listen to this because this is baseball. <laughs> but uh, that's fine. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty decent list there that we just went through. Um, if you want more ideas, just go and offer me for all of my cards. So that's the easy way to do it. I can be bought out for a measly 10 ETH. That's it. Um, any other questions or topics that you guys want to, to cover before we wrap things up? There was one main one that came up from several people that wanted me to, to ask this question. Um, how many people should they buy? I mean, you know, the answer is as many as you like, really. But if you are just, you know... Getting into baseball, you want to give it a whirl, but you want to have a chance of, you know, picking up the odd T1, T2, you know, and you don't want to feel out of it. How many guys, like, I think right at the start, Daniel, you mentioned you'll have a pool of starting pitchers that you can just rotate. And now I understand that if they go every five days that you can rotate maybe two each game week, you know, so, yeah, yeah, you need five pitchers. So how many would you say after those, maybe two relief pitchers and... How many outfielders? I my guess I would say you want ten hitters, and you want to mix that with like a stack of like so the, like five guys that all play on the same team, and then five like individual like really good hitters that might not necessarily be correlated with a team. And then you want to mix and match your lineups based on that, based on matchup. You probably want three relievers. I would just get Edwin Diaz and Kenley Jansen and one and Spencer Strider and call it good basically. And then uh, you probably want about seven to 10 pitchers. So I think you're going to need about 20 cards, let's say between 20 and 25, maybe closer to 20. So if I don't know anything about baseball and I'm just going to buy a team of guys, I don't know, and I'm just going to start them. I'm going to keep my team a lot tighter than that, than, than 20 to 25. I think 20 to 25, you can play a lot of matchups and you can say, this guy's got a good matchup. This guy doesn't have a good matchup. If you don't know anything about baseball, you're probably not going to be able to do that very well. So I'm going to keep my team much tighter. I'm going to have, um, so there's four essentially core hitter positions, um, three positions, but then you have the extra hitter. 
So I'm going to probably have about six hitters um, just for rotational. Sometimes some guys will have more games in a game week, which can be a big advantage. Um, so I do want a little bit of depth, but I don't think I need that much if I'm not going to play super rotationally. Relief pitcher, I'm going to have probably one. If it's if, if I go get like Kembrel or, or Holmes or Kinley Jansen and they're the closer, I'm going to start them basically every game week. Um, because they're, you know, the chances of them getting a save are pretty much the same in every single game. It doesn't really matter. Mm. If I do get Strider, I'm going to have one other relief pitcher that I can pitch on the days when he, because I know when Strider is going to pitch, right? I know that he's going to play every five games. Um, so I need another relief pitcher to, uh, to play those kind of off weeks. As far as starting pitchers, I'm probably going to have four to five, I would say, um, to be super, super tight with it. And I'm going to play one in the extra spot each week. So I'm going to basically take, two pitchers that are actually going to start each game week. So, um, you know, four to five, maybe touching six if, if I, and that's if I don't know anything about matchups and I just want to have a team and play that team. I think you can keep it a lot tighter than that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you think to start off with going for floor points rather than ceiling points is the way forward. Cause you said you're going to start a starting pitcher in the extra. Yeah. So I think starters are going to have, more upside kind of than hitters to me I, I, well no, but it's well, tough i don't i don't know yeah have safer upside you're gonna get yeah. assuming a decent start you're gonna get between 20 and 30 points from a starter but yeah. mike judge has 85 points this game week yeah 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 so you know but that's the, not the hitters, that's the, very that's, that's an extreme outlier for sure so very it's, about, it's about risk it's a very complicated calculus i think in terms of risk versus and floor versus upside in that flex spot I think you can't go wrong with starting pitchers in that spot, but if you want to take a little risk and you think a pitcher, a hitter's got going to get hot this weekend and have really good matchups, jam them in there and get, get a 60 point week and, and go nuts. But that's what the other four spots are for. It's for you guys that are going to get 60 <laughs> points. It's all yeah, that, I'm that, trying to be more hey, safe, but, hopefully, the, but that's what, that's that part of the game. Though, but yeah, yeah, hopefully that decision is what makes this a fun game to play. Right. Like SO five and soccer, you know, that what makes games are decisions. And so there's a lot of decisions to make in SO5. And I think there's going to be a lot of decisions to make in SO7. So hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, I agree. Any other, any other questions here before we wrap things up? No, I think you've covered everything. My head is literally ready to explode. <laughs> oh, that was a lot, a lot of information. Of yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to my, I hate listening to myself on podcasts, but I'm definitely going to have to re-listen to this one. So <laughs> hopefully we should... I saw you take a lot of notes there, so I think you're going to be okay. I'll, I'll share. I did make a watch list of all the players we mentioned on this show on data that I will share just for – it'll be, it'll be unlisted, so you have to have the link, but it'll be public enough on my Twitter. Let's just put it that way. Cool. There you go. So I expect us to get like 3,000 listens because you just listen to it over and over and over again, as does everybody <laughs> else. So uh, we should have a, a big audience for this one. Um, I think that is going to wrap things up for this time. So – uh, excellent job today, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being on and uh, and giving us some some of the beginner uh, perspective there, David. Uh, we really appreciate the time. You're welcome. 